Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline, uh, a guy that I'm a big fan of. He does a great job, and he's even a, uh, a better guy than he is a writer. And he's a doggone good writer and been doing it for a long time for ESPN. Eric Williams joins us on 97.3 The Fan. Eric, good morning, and how you doing, my friend? Good morning, Coach. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, those words. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you're, uh, I'm you're, doing well. Well, I'm doing great, and uh, great to be here in the morning. Uh, I'm very happy to have you on uh, uh, the program today. Uh, you know, I want to start off, before we uh, get into the Chargers schedule, I want to get into, uh, you know, the Chargers going to the powder blues and the, the gold face mask. What what brought yeah. that on after all the years uh, the San Diego fans, uh, you know, begged yep. and pleaded with the Chargers to, to do that? Not only San Diego fans, I mean, I'm from Seattle. I mean, <laughs> those are the best uniforms in the league, in my opinion. You know, I think they're trying to get fan support in Los Angeles. I think that's the reason they're doing that. I think some people anticipated they were going to do it with the opening of the stadium next year, um, but now they're doing it this year, and I just think it's it's it's, it's a continued effort to try to, to win fan support in a very competitive market. That's Los Angeles. And so, I, you know, you go to the Powder Blues, uh, obviously, it's, it's one of the, the favorite uniforms of, again, fans, not only in San Diego, but around the country and around the world. Um, so it makes sense, but I agree. I mean, it's something they probably should have did a long time ago. Similar to the Padres going back to the Browns, which everybody likes. I don't know why uh, organizations kind of hold back from making decisions like that when it seems pretty obvious. But um, I think that's one of the reasons that they did it this year was to try to continue to gain support in Los Angeles. Eric, uh, from your standpoint, you've been up there, you know, you were here in San Diego covering the team, now you cover them up in, in Los Angeles. Are they making any traction at all with the fans up there? Uh, spotty. You know, I, I think you you see uh, when, you, when you're in, especially in Orange County and, and traveling around, going to lunch and just talking to different people, going to events, um, people are slowly kind of getting interested Winning obviously helps, and I, I think when they made that run late last year and got in the playoffs, I think it kind of energized, uh, you know, certain parts of, of uh, Orange County and Los Angeles where they kind of became kind of a trendy thing in terms of going to games. But, you know, they have to do that years and years and years in order to gain the kind of support that they had here in San Diego. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, the opening of the new stadium certainly will help because people will just want to go to see what the stadium looks like and that will draw fans. But, again, you have to win year after year up there, and you have to win Super Bowls. You have to win championships. Um, so, again, you know, I've seen people slowly jump on board. My, 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 my Twitter uh, handle uh-huh. has kind of went up a little bit, and that kind of tells me that people are kind of uh, slowly gaining more interest. We're visiting with Eric Williams from ESPN.com. Joining us on the SDCCU uh, 
fan hotline. You know, Norv Turner was here, and, you know, he wasn't the greatest quote in the world and not you know, going to tell you anything that uh, maybe the organization uh, didn't want out. Uh, you yeah. know, Mike McCoy was pretty boring. Uh, yeah. This Anthony Lynn, I, I gained so much respect from him. Uh, Eric, uh, the, the first four games, here's a guy every week who's stepping to the podium. His team can't win a football game, yet he believed in himself. He believed in his staff. He believed in the, the football team. He got it turned around. If they had a kicker that first year that had made the playoffs, and then he had the great 12-4 and run last year. Could you talk a little bit about just covering him? Because he's a guy that's going to, I think, tell you what's on his mind. He's exactly that. Um, he, 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 there's no filter with Anthony. He's going to tell you how he feels um, in a minimum amount of words, which I, which I love covering a coach because it doesn't go on for 20 minutes and you got to go back and kind of sift through exactly what he said. He'll tell you directly what, what he thinks and then he'll move on to the next question. And you appreciate that not only as a media member, but as a player, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to get the no nonsense. Uh, you know, boiled down thoughts of Anthony on a daily basis. And I think players can kind of buy into that uh, and, and, and start to believe and trust uh, what the coach is saying, because, you know, he, he's always pretty honest and upfront with what he thinks. Um, and, and so it's been, you know, it's, it's been enjoyable covering a coach like that. Um, the last couple of years. You know, I would uh, think, and you know, I've tried to envision it. You know, I like to watch his press conferences after the game, and then, you know, he'll talk, uh, I think, the following day a little bit, and they'll put it on, you know, Facebook or wherever I can uh, track it down, and, and you'll you'll do your usual stuff uh, after a game or on Monday mm-hmm. or whenever you have something you want to get out there. Uh, I think the fans in San Diego, if it had been the head coach here in San Diego for the Chargers, I think the fans would have really embraced him because he He's a, he's a blue collar guy. Yep. Yeah, that's one of the things that you really do get from him. Is you're right. He is a blue collar guy that kind of worked his way up through the coaching ranks, and really that kind of uh, is the way that his career went in the NFL as well. You know, he was a back end of the roster guy that played special teams, backed up Trail Davis in Denver during their Super Bowl years, and so that's that's his mentality to his job. He's a grinder. Um, he certainly respects the guys in the back end of the roster because he understands the importance and, and how hard those guys work. Um, and so, yeah, he's a guy that, that's very relatable, I think, if you're an NFL fan that, you know, has a, a regular 9-to-5 job because that's his approach to his job. Eric, uh, what, what are you getting uh, the feeling of right now regarding Antonio Gates? Are they having any type of talks with uh, his agent? Uh, he wants to come back. He doesn't want to come back. Uh, what are you hearing right now? Well, Antonio definitely wants to come back. He, he, he made that um, pretty upfront at the end of the, the season last year. I think he wanted to, to make sure that the organization understood that so there wasn't any um, misinterpretation in terms of whether he wanted to retire or whether he wanted to play. I think the issue is, is um, money, as always. You know, uh, what's it going to take to get him back and, and will he fit under the cap? And then roll. You know, you have to kind of go through the draft and see – what you're going to add at that position and then, and then take a look and see does Gates fit into, you know, the, the type of role that he's going to have in 2019. Um, in, in limited snaps, Gates can still be effective, um, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to play 500, 600 snaps for you. He's not the Hall of Fame player that, you know, he was five, six years ago. And so that's, they still have to kind of figure that out. And I think they're going to go through the draft, see what they have, and then see if it makes sense for uh, 
them to bring Gates back. You know, Eric, uh, when I heard he wanted to come back, you know, I kind of looked at this last year, and Hunter Henry obviously was out the entire regular season, and, uh, you know, they had other guys that, you know, filled in and could do the blocking, and, you know, Gates was kind of the guy that they'd run in there in certain situations you talked to. I mean, he was very productive for the, the time he played, and I thought with Henry coming back and what they already have, to bring Gates back in 2019 season – to take up that roster spot, that would be a real luxury. It would, but then you have Henry coming off an ACL knee injury. Usually the first year back from ACLs, you're still kind of working your way and getting back to full strength, and you're not the player that you're going to be two years out. So that would be part of the thinking, I think, is just having some insurance in case Henry isn't back to where you expect him to be as an athlete and as a game-changing player that can go – out there third down in red zone and and make plays for you. The other thing, though, is first round, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the draft here in a little bit, if Noah Fant falls to you at 28, that's a pretty explosive playmaker right there. And adding him with Hunter Henry and having that ability to have two dynamic playmakers at two tight end sets, do you really need Gates at that point? So I think that's kind of the thought process right now of the organization. I want to get to the draft, but I want to ask you about Phillip Rivers. I mean, realistically – how much longer can you figure Rivers is going to be taking snaps uh, for the San Diego Chargers? Yeah, one year left on his deal. Um, you know, I asked Telesco about it a couple weeks ago. So they haven't really started discussions in terms of contract extension, but emphasized that, you know, Phillip's not going anywhere. He's their quarterback, you know, for the next two or three years. And, and Phillip has already said that he wants to be playing when they open the new stadium in 2020. Um, I think Phil's going to be 38 in December, if I have that right. Um, so I do think he can play at the level that he's at right now until he's 40. But you do need to have some kind of succession plan in place, and you need to start doing that, I think, starting in this year's draft. You signed Tyrod Taylor to, to pretty decent money. You know, I think two years, $11.5 million, $6 million guaranteed to be your backup. So that tells you right there that, um, you know, they have some concerns long-term with Phillip and that they need to start addressing that position. Um, I think having Tyrod kind of protects you in the rare instance that Phillip does get injured and, and he can't, you know, finish out the year, although, you know, Phillip's the most durable quarterback in the league. So I do think they need to start addressing that in this year's draft. I don't think it's in the first round. I think it makes more sense day two, day three pick. Somebody like Jared Stidham out of, out of Auburn bring in and start to develop as a potential successor to Phillips. Well, you bring in uh, Tyrod Taylor and, and you pay him, you mentioned, a pretty good money to back up Phillip Rivers. That's a significant upgrade from what they've had for many years here with the mm-hmm. Chargers, I think. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Tyrod has, I think, over 500 record as a starter in the league, has played in the playoffs. Um, so he's, he's a proven commodity as your backup. Um, I was a little surprised, to be honest, that they gave him that kind of money. When you look at their salary cap situation, I think they're they're right around $10 million in terms of cap space. So it doesn't leave them a lot of space to go out there and get, um, you know, a couple guys after the draft. Uh, they haven't signed anybody up to this point because they want to try to hold on to the comp pick that I think they have currently uh, by not signing any free agents. So I do think that they'll bring a couple players in after uh, the draft. Uh, so they can hold on to that comp pick. But, uh, you know, I don't think Sue makes any sense because he's going to want too much money. Maybe they bring somebody like Corey Legit back to, to add as a depth, a depth person at defensive line. What was your evaluation of Corey Legit last year when uh, he came back from his suspension? I thought he was playing 
okay. I thought he was playing solid. I thought he gave them something when he came back. Um, and certainly, you know, he had fresh legs. Uh, he had he had worked hard during the offseason. He was upset and frustrated by what ha- had happened with the PED suspension. I uh, felt that the, the trainer kind of led him astray in terms of supplements, what he, what he was giving him when he was working with him uh, up in Northern California. Um, and then he got hurt. You know, he tore his and, and was done for the year. Um, I know that it's still possible that he returns. I think Corey went on a visit with the New York Giants a week or two ago. Uh, but it's still a possibility that he comes back. And I think Corey would be much cheaper than somebody like Sue and maybe give you similar production, to be honest. So you look at Sue, he, he hasn't really done a whole lot, and, and um, you worry about fit in a locker room bringing a player like that. Uh, Eric Williams, ESPN.com, joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Eric, I do want to talk about the draft. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what are maybe the, the top three needs of the Chargers in this draft? Yeah, I definitely, to me, think defensive tackle three-tech is the top need when you look at their inability to consistently create pressure from inside the pocket. Um, I kind of compare it to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Chris Jones and what a difference maker he was being able to push the pocket in the middle of that defense. And that really uh, allowed D Ford and, and Justin Houston to be uh, active and be productive as edge rushers. So Chargers need something similar uh, in terms of their interior pass rush. They have Isaac Rochelle that can push the pocket a little bit. They lost Darius Phylon. Um So to me, uh, Best-case scenario would be somebody like Christian Wilkins falling to them at 28 out of Clemson because of his ability to, to, to be a three-down player in the NFL. Um, if he's not available, I think somebody like Cody Ford might make some sense as an interior offensive line guy where I think they could use some help. Uh, they, they're going to get four slant back uh, in, in terms of being fully healthy next year, and he's going to compete for a roster spot. But I could see O-line being addressed. Although, you know, they like Tevi. A lot of people are kind of ready to kick Tevi out of there. But every time I talk to coaches, uh, they're high on Tevi. They think he's a developmental guy that's going to continue to get better. Um, and then there's a couple other guys. I think when you draft at 28, you just don't know who's going to fall. Um, it's kind of like last year. They drafted at 17. They, they weren't expecting Derwin to be there, and they end up getting, you know, one of the best players in the draft. And that's why I mentioned Noah Fant, because he's a guy that athletically can create explosive plays. If he falls to 28, I think he's hard to pass up there. Another guy, Rocky Asin, a cornerback uh, out of Temple, again, has the measurables that they like from press corner. If he is available and some of their other guys are off the board, he makes some sense. And then lastly, I'll mention uh, Notre Dame's defensive tackle, Joey Tiller, who's some kind of prepare, uh, compared to DeForest Buckner, a three-tech, again, that can push the pocket. There's some questions when I talk to scouts about his passion for the game he's uh, a very eclectic individual has a lot of outside interests so people are wondering if he's really going to be um, uh, passionate about playing football in the NFL but he has a lot of those traits that you're looking for from an interior pass rusher and was very productive at Notre Dame. Hey, I want to uh, get your thoughts here uh, quickly on the 16-game uh, regular season schedule for the Chargers. I know you probably looked at it uh, pretty hard because you're going to have to make uh, travel arrangements to all these different uh, road cities. Uh, uh, what's your take? Uh, a tough schedule, a so-so schedule, or an easy schedule? Yeah, I think it's so-so. I think their strength of schedule compared on last year's record of, of the teams they're playing was tied for 16th in the league, and I know that can change week to week depending on injuries. Um, I like how the first four weeks sit, you know, Indy at home, at Detroit, 
uh, host the Texans and then at Miami. I think if you go three and one during that stretch, that kind of sets the table for a productive year. And then from October to the bye, I think that's their toughest stretch. Uh, they have four or seven games that are home games, but they have to go to Mexico City to play Kansas City. Uh, they host Denver and Pittsburgh uh, during that stretch. They have to go to Tennessee at Chicago. Those are going to be tough games. Uh, and then they have a stretch from November 3rd to December 15th where they don't play at home. Uh, so that's 43 days where you're going to be on the road because they have that game in Mexico City, which is quote-unquote a home game against the Chiefs. So I, to me, that stretch from October 6th to, this, to, to November 18th to the bye week, they have the late bye again. Um, is going to determine, you know, whether or not they make the playoffs. You know, I know a lot of things uh, before they they play the 16-game schedule, but uh, do you think they can repeat? They have enough talent uh, right now, and we'll see what they get in the draft, and, you know, if they do something else prior to the start of the year. you think they can uh, run the table and go 12-4 and four again? I think 12-4 and four is tough. You know, I have them going 11-5, and five, and I think that's a little optimistic, to be honest. I think a lot of things fell right for them last year that enabled them to go 12 and four. They won a lot of close games, uh, which, you know, is a sign of a good team, but it's hard to, to replicate that. Um, I think if they go 11 and five, 10 and six, and are able to sneak in as a wild card, I still think that's a good season for them. Uh, but 12 and four, just kind of looking at their schedule, um, I think would be tough at, at, at this point. I, th- I still think Kansas City is a team to beat in the division. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I actually uh, we went through the schedule uh, uh, a little bit earlier in the earlier in the seven o'clock hour. I had them actually going nine and seven, and you know I, I was trying to to be positive. <laughs> no, I could see that. You know, because they're playing a lot of the the top teams in the league, and that happens when you when you finish as high as they did last year, twelve and four. You know, Pittsburgh's a tough game. Denver's going to be better. I think the Raiders are going to be better. They, they they can't be any worse than they were last year. Uh, they have to host Minnesota. That's a good team. Uh, Green Bay, you know, you got to host Aaron Rodgers. They're playing a lot of the top quarterbacks uh, in, in the NFL, although, you know, the Patriots aren't on the schedule. So, yeah, I could see 9-7. and seven, but, but, again, you know, I mean, they have the talent to go out there and win each week. Um, I think it's really going to be up to the defense this year, uh, particularly against the run, to play a little bit better than they did last year um, and the offense just to continue to play at the level they did last year. Hey, Eric, as always, uh, thanks so much for the time and uh, continue the great work for ESPN.com. And uh, have a great day, my friend. Sure. Thanks for having me, Coach. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You're welcome. Uh, Eric Williams from ESPN.com joining us on the SDCCU uh, Fan Hotline. By the way, you can nominate SDCCU Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune Reader's Poll daily at SDCCU.com slash nominate. San Diego County Credit Union. It's not a big ba- big bank banking. It's better. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.